listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara, and this is episode number 89. And this week on the podcast, I have the pleasure of welcoming back Jacob Kerwin from the great band All Hell. Uh, it was very excellent having him back on the podcast. Um, we discuss a bunch of different stuff and a pretty wide-ranging uh, conversation, and um and yeah, it was awesome having it on. I'm sure it won't be the last time that Jacob will be on the podcast either. And I recommend everyone going and checking out the uh, All Hell released a Sam Main cover on Halloween and with a couple other songs as an EP, which I recommend checking out. As well as, yeah, if you're not familiar with their work, go listen to the rest of their discography. Everything they've done is great. So yeah, definitely was awesome having them on. Hope you guys will be enjoying the episode. And... um yeah, so that's what uh, so what's going on this week. Um, and so before we get into the episode, I'll get in my plugs, and then uh, yeah, we'll get into the episode. Um, we uh, I'm part of a gang of podcasters called the Horsemen of the Podcast Apocalypse, uh, which is every other Monday you have Horror Wolf Six 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 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday you have Into Into the Necrosphere of Jackie Schmidt. Every Wednesday, you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. And of course, Mike and I have our podcast uh, series that we do between Everything Went Black and Soul Knox called Darkness Weaves, all about the work of Carl Edward Wagner. And uh, we just released the episode, uh, uh, the newest episode with Two Suns Setting on Everything Went Black. So you can go check that out, um, give it a listen. Every other thir- sorry, every Thursday you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. On Fridays you have uh, artists formerly known as Break the Apocalypse, now known as Spitball Media. On uh, on um, and then at intermediate times, uh, when he has an episode to put out, you have Ibis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax, who's been killing it recently with episodes. He just released one with Silanaz, as well as one with my brother Nas Alchemist. So yeah, go check it out. And um and uh also not a horseman but an associate of mine, please check out Mycelium Signal with Constantine Tuonohovi. Um from the Mycel from the Tuonin Porti. And uh yeah, great podcast touching on a lot of really interesting subjects, particularly if you're interested in more esoteric uh types of subjects. And um, yeah, please follow everybody on social media, um, and you can uh, and you know share share the word about the podcast, and you you know always appreciate the support and um, spreading the word and and all that. And um, you can find follow me on Instagram at either my name or at uh, Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. We have shows live every Tuesday and Thursday night. You can tune in at denverundergroundradio.com. We, the shows start at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can go on the website, find more information, and uh, tune in when we're doing the shows. And then also, uh, yeah, on, the, on Instagram, you can see all the set lists, as well as uh, links to all the Spotify playlists for the shows as well as all of the episodes for the podcast as well. So yeah, it's a one-stop shop there uh, as far as Instagram goes. And um, 
Yeah, and I have, finally, I have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Podcast. $2 a month, and you get two to four bonus episodes a month, and uh, the pleasure of knowing that you are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on, so to say. If you sign up, you'll get a, get a mention over here on uh, on the main feed. And, um, yeah, and, uh, yeah, there'll be, uh, more stuff on there, particularly next month, we'll get back in, back in the swing of things. My work's very busy in, uh, December, so it's, uh, don't quite have the energy to get a bunch of extra stuff out, but never fear, it'll be there. And yeah, so, um, upcoming episodes, I think the next episode should be the Horror Hotel about Phantoms. Um, and then I'll have a, uh, Christmas Eve special horror hotel. And, uh, then there'll be on Christmas day, the, um, uh, next episode of Constantine Tuonohovi. Um, so we are third conversation, which was really great. Conversations just keep getting better with him. And then, um, I believe to the last main episode of the month, well, no, be two more, but, uh, let's see, um, yeah, then we'll have, uh, um, episode of the band Q, um, that'll come out, uh, after that, that'll be next week's second episode, and then, uh, to celebrate, uh, New Year's Eve, and New Year's Day, there will be another special holiday uh, horror hotel about the movie End of Days, which is, of course, uh, a big favorite of mine. So, yeah, you know, keep your eyes open. And then we got a bunch of stuff coming up, coming up in January. Um, best of lists and stuff. I got to get my best of lists put together over the next couple of weeks. This month is like flying by. I can't believe it's almost over. This year's almost over too, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, so we're going to get into the episode now. Hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Jacob Kerwin from All Hell. And uh, never forget. Hail Satan.
welcome back to uh to Solnox, Jacob. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I've wanted to to get you back on. I mean, it's been a while since uh you were on. I remember I think the episode came out in like April or something. So it's been yes, a little it's while. Been, been a little while. Yeah. I think it was when your um when your new EP came out. It was around the time we did it, so Yeah. About mid April. Yeah. How uh, how things been going since then? I mean, you guys played the show with Profanaticus, so that's cool. Yeah, it's uh, been pretty cool. We did a couple shows with uh, those guys in Panzerfaust. We've been doing, uh, we did a bunch of one-offs here and there. Um, we just played a cool fest up in Pennsylvania this past weekend, and we just announced a short tour that we have coming up in November, so... And already working on stuff for next year as well. So keep them pretty busy. Oh yeah. You working on, on new music too or Yeah, we just uh we put that the Hal single out uh a week or two ago and yeah. we're always working on writing new stuff, you know. Yeah. I I liked that that single a lot. It was cool. I, the um and uh, yeah, I like the last song on it too that was kind of like more goth sounding i think that was a cool yeah cool little thanks thing to close it out it felt very that that last song on reminded me very much of like i don't know something that would have been on final descent you know <laughs> yeah that was definitely what i was going for yeah because it, it had that with the keyboards and everything it made me think of that <laughs> yeah yep the old dx7 yeah is that is that your uh, dx7 uh, I was I was using uh, like a MIDI controller, but I have a bunch of like DX7 presets, like, like factory presets and VSTs and stuff. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's good to have be able to have like the stuff that kind of replicates those types of sounds. You know? Some yeah, for sure. Like way too expensive. Like I really one of my mm -hmm. biggest dreams would be to have the uh, the type of. Um, keyboard that they used on um you know joy divisions closer and Cures pornography it's uh, right it's, um yeah the name's name's name is um it's, it's like a i think it's called like a string synthesizer and i'm blanking on mm -hmm. the name of, name of the the keyboard itself but so it's like not a synthesizer and it's not an organ mm -hmm. it's like something like in between and interesting um, yeah they're very like kind of unique and they have this particular sound you know you know if you've yeah listened to those albums that has that particular sound and like uh yeah for sure i've always like i'd, I'd love to have it because that's always like one of my favorite keyboard sounds in the world and but yeah to buy, definitely to one, oh. yeah the buy one's like two thousand dollars <laughs> yeah i like uh i was looking a while back into like what john carpenter used on the halloween soundtrack and stuff and like a profit five and a profit ten and they're super pricey now which is especially like if you get one from the era obviously yeah but, particularly, yeah particularly from there it's, yeah. it's cool that there's it's cool that there's so much uh you know decent virtual instrument stuff now yeah it does make it easier you can buy like the vst and and kind of repl at least replicate the sound of what you want even if you can't use the actual yeah. like analog pc you want you know right yeah the um 
It is always nice having the having the thing there and be able to mess with mess with it and everything like the actual instruments. But yeah, some of that stuff's just like so expensive that yeah, there's, there's really uh, probably no no chance in hell I'll ever own one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel you. You never know though; could win the lottery, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah, find one at a at a flea market for fifty bucks or something. Yeah, that kind of stuff can happen, or find it like a, at a you can find stuff at like um, you know um, what do you call it? Uh, um, like a Goodwill or something, you know? Like yeah. And uh, I've seen stuff like that. Like I bought, I remember a while ago, I bought a original Nintendo for like thirty dollars at a Goodwill. <laughs> oh, nice! That's pretty good. Yeah, I was like. Here we go, and it actually does work too. So at least, at least it did the last time I played. It. I haven't played it in a long time, but yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you can find stuff like that. Usually, when I go to Goodwill, I primarily just look at the electronics and the books because mm-hmm. uh, I can yeah. never find clothing like for myself at Goodwills. You know, they don't yeah. Now, now and then, I'll find like a cool shirt or something. But yeah, I usually look at like VHS when I go in there. And uh, yeah, electronics and stuff. Sometimes, sometimes I look at the books, but they're usually not very well organized. I'm like, man, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, it depends, and and it kind of depends on where you're at too. Like, what where? I feel like yeah. I feel like the Goodwills and you know all the thrift stores. It really is dependent on what kind of neighborhood you're in. You know where the yeah. where the store is. Because uh, yeah, if you're in certain neighborhoods, you can find like really good stuff. You know, really. Yeah, cheap. that's true. Yeah, yeah. Particularly like uh, other types of thrift stores, because I think Goodwill's gotten a lot smarter about not putting out the good stuff. You know. Yeah, they'll they usually list a lot of that like for auction online or whatever. Yeah, they'll sell it online through Amazon or auction stuff. So. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you go to like some of the other thrift stores, like that's really where you can find like the really good deals. Hmm. But yeah, I mean that would be crazy to go in and find like some like old like eighty synthesizer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like twenty dollars or something like because they don't even know what it is, you know? Yeah. Well, we can dream, I guess. Yeah, you can dream. I remember one time my friend and I went to the <laughs> thrift store and he was like this close to buying like they had like one of those half size like organs, you know, like electric organs, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, it was only like forty dollars or something. And he was like so tempted, but he's like, but then we were like, I mean, how are you going to get it up, up, up the stairs to your house and stuff? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, ah, I guess yeah. not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to get, I used to live in a place where they had the, uh, like one of those old pump organs where you oh, pump yeah. with your feet, you know? Yeah. But that was really, those are really cool. Those sound, sound really awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're in that we're in the Halloween season right now. This episode won't come out till I think December. But the uh, have you been uh, watching any? Uh, have you been getting getting into horror movies this season? Yeah, a little bit. I've actually been so busy lately with you know music and other stuff that's I haven't been watching as much as I would like to. Um, been revisiting some old favorites though. Yeah. Because I think uh, I think last time you were on, we talked a little bit about horror, but not too much. I don't think did we? 
I don't think so. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I don't think we're talking. Yeah, the um, yeah, I've been uh, I've been trying to watch stuff. I mean, recently I have a podcast episode about uh Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Supposed to be like the Halloween uh kind of special, so I've been like yeah. cramming uh cramming Friday Thirteenth movies in. <laughs> nice. So. Yeah, I I rewatched all those probably. I don't know within the last couple of years. I, I rewatched the original just like a week or two ago, but it's always good, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I managed to cram them all in in basically a weekend, which which is pretty crazy. Like two nice. nights, two a night, you know, except for Saturday. It's a lot of murder. It's a lot of murder. Yeah, I mean, which which ones are your favorites? Um, my favorites are four and four and six and three. Yeah, those, those ones are my favorites. Like, particularly yeah. after rewatching them too. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of people like one and two are their favorites, but um, I don't know. Not for me. I think I think I find those other ones a little bit more exciting to watch. You know? Yeah. What about you? Uh, I mean, I like the first one a lot. Three is really good. I like. Uh, Jason takes Manhattan. It's a good one. Yeah. Although um, my biggest problem with Jason takes Manhattan is that I have, I know like, you know, like with these movies, you have to, you have to accept a lot. You know what I mean? Like you have to run, yeah. you know, run with it, but it's a little <laughs> There's bit a lot of suspension of disbelief required for that one. Yeah. It's a little hard for me with that one just because the concept itself that somehow there's this big, cruise liner <laughs> in, yeah. in crystal lake that somehow manages to magically travel to new york <laughs> that just, yeah it's a little hard for that's me <laughs> yeah that's only that's my only <laughs> if you just kind of overlook that it's it's a it's a fun yeah movie, but that part of it is almost like too much for me <laughs> yeah i like uh <clears throat> I like Freddy versus Jason pretty well too. Yeah, that's one I'm actually gonna be watching tonight after we get done because it's the last one I got to watch. So nice. Cool. The, yeah, um, that one like that one came out while I was in high school, so I like went and saw it in the theater and everything, and was super into it. Yeah, that would have been the for for people our generation that would have been the one that we saw in the theaters. I mean, I know some of my friends saw were old enough they they went and saw Jason Goes to Hell. Oh yeah, but generally, most of us, I think that would have been the first one we saw in the yeah, theater. I, I guess, know? I guess maybe Jason X too. Oh, yeah, Can't I remember for sure if I saw that if I saw that one in the theater or not. I think I did. I did not see. I'm, I'm not, I haven't seen Jason X in the theater. Oh, I don't even. It's, uh, it's different, but there's some cool stuff about it. Yeah, it's hard for me to take. That one's one of the ones where it's like. You know, they went to space. It's a little ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, it's, it's silly. There's some cool kills, though. Like, um, Hellraiser four, they go to space, but it makes sense within the context of the story, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. So I guess. Yeah, it does. So it didn't really bother me. But with Jason X, it was just kind of like, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. why they're taking them to space, but the funny thing though is that in Jason goes to hell. Um, there's a part where he goes to 
to their to um, the Voorhees house, and they literally find the Necronomicon from Evil Dead, <laughs> and and that, I mean, as in the movie, you see it, and so like, yeah. but they weren't able to get the rights, so he wasn't able to like. Originally, the concept was that literally they're going to flash back to uh, Pamela Voorhees. To, using the Necronomicon to do some type of ritual to bring Jason back to, uh, from, from the dead. That's cool. And that would have happened like right before the events of the first movie. Hmm. So that was, so essentially that would make it so that since Jason two, he's basically been some type of, uh, you know, dead. I, yeah, essentially, <laughs> which I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. It would have been would have been interesting for sure. And then yeah, that's why they wanted to do like Jason versus Freddy with Ash as well in there. Yeah, I remember I remember them talking about that. Let's see what else. Uh, I rewatched Haunt the other day. You know that one? I haven't seen that one actually, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's pretty it's a- pretty good for modern horror. You know, you should yeah. check it out. It's set in like a haunted house, right? Yeah. Did you ever see uh, Hell House LLC or whatever? I think it's called that. I know what you're t- talking about, but I didn't. I didn't watch it. That one's kind of cool. Uh, it's like a, it's found footage, but it's set in a haunted house. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you find out that uh, yeah, some some, some, uh, some like satanic type rituals done in the place, and yeah, there's like there's stuff right. stuff goes on. Um, I haven't watched the other ones yet. I know. I think they just released a brand new one, but uh, yeah, the first one is pretty good. I mean, I, it's worth watching. Yeah, I would check it out. Yeah, it's a good one to watch around now because it's all about a haunted house, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. The um, one thing that I was gonna ask is so when when like, when did you get into horror? Like when you like when you're like. Uh, like a kid, like what was, what was kind of your, your entry point into horror? Um, I have to think about it a little bit. Um, pretty much as, <laughs> as far back as I can remember. Uh, I know I really liked the, uh, Halloween, <clears throat> excuse me, Halloween movies as a kid, uh, especially, you know, the early ones, big michael myers fan um a lot of that's because my older brother got me into horror when i was a kid so i started watching stuff way before i should have (laughs) you know how it is uh oh yeah i think i saw i I saw i saw the uh 90s it adaptation when i was like four years old and <laughs> kind of scarred me for a while turned me off of clowns <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah like... i used to just i got so many memories of going to like the video store i think it was like mondays they had like 99 cent for old releases so i would just go every week and get a couple horror movies and probably watch every horror tape they had or like at least 80 percent of them over the years yeah yes yeah, kind of same for me i mean i watched horror movies like since i was a little kid like really 
my true introduction was my dad showing me like the the Universal War movies, like when I was like three or four, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got obsessed with those, and then I he showed me uh, Nightmare on Elm Street when I was like seven, you know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I, you know, of course, like you're seeing movies too on TV, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. But I don't know. I also feel like that period of time was like you you had like all the the horror. You still had the horror shows on on TV as well, like where they'd be like. The horror host shows you know yeah like you know like joe joe bob's original, original show and everything mm-hmm. monster vision yeah and, yeah it was just cool he's you know he saw his movies on tv and then renting them like all, all the time and then there's all the like um stuff i feel like in the 90s was great for like horror aimed at kids because he also had like goosebumps and yeah for sure i was like obsessed was... with goosebumps when i was a kid <laughs> yeah same had a lot of those books and i remember when they did the uh the tv show yeah tv show is great i and actually like kind of i was watching it as an, a few times i've seen it as an adult as well like i watched like, the first couple of seasons mm-hmm. a few years ago and it was on netflix and uh you know for surprisingly for a kid show it's it holds up like i mean that's partially also maybe nostalgia too you know yeah you're watching like oh man i remember being a kid watching this but <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, I, you mentioning TV shows reminds me I was definitely into uh, Tales from the Crypt when I was a kid also, <laughs> even though that's definitely not a kid's show. But yeah, I love all of those. I ended up buying all of them on DVD a few years ago. Watched pretty much all like seven seasons. Yeah, I love, I love Tales from the Crypt. Like, um, it's, it's one of my favorite shows like ever made, you know, it's just such a great yeah. show. Yeah, and it really does bring you back. Like when I watch, like watch it, like where you're like, and because I know it was, um, so we didn't really generally have HBO most of the time, but they they syndicated mm-hmm. it on and on Fox. At yeah, one point. same. So that's probably how I saw saw it originally, but definitely watched that like when it was on syndication, and they had the Tales from the Crypt Keeper cartoon show too. Yeah. Yeah. Which was I great. That I had some of those action figures. Yeah, so <laughs> I had the at the werewolf. I had the crypt keeper. I think I yeah, had all, all I had the, those two. I think I had the had the mummy. Yeah, I that was like a little deal. gargoyle guy. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think I had all, all five. <laughs> yeah, those are those are great. The um, it, it's funny. I, I mean, and the tales from the crypt keeper shows actually on um on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Oh, is it? That's cool. Yeah, I was actually like excited watching the episode, you know, just to see like, because it's like, and immediately brings it right back to me, a little kid, like watching that show. Like, we kind of yeah. forgot about it, you know? Forgot yeah. what it was like. It... There was a lot of those horror cartoons back then, too, because we still had uh, Ghostbusters like showing on yeah. TV, and you had um, uh, um, Beetlejuice, the cartoon show, you know. Yeah, there was uh, like thirteen ghosts of Scooby Doo or whatever. The one where it was like the ghosts or whatever were real instead of just dudes in masks. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, he had that. He had um, had a uh, gargoyles was kind of horror adjacent at least. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was cool. You know, like. It's a lot of spooky shit. <laughs> yeah. But then at the same time, I'm watching like adult horror movies as well. So, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and Alien. Yeah. And 
whatever else. Friday, Friday series. Yeah. I got, I watched a lot, like, and I remember, you know, a lot of stuff to watch was stuff my dad liked. So, you know, I saw, like, uh, House on Haunted Hill, the original movie, you know. Yeah. That's, that's probably, like, the, the second VHS tape we bought. <laughs> good, uh, Vincent Price stuff. Yeah, I love Vincent Price, you know. Definitely, I grew up a lot of Vincent Price, like, all the, the AI Poe stuff, you know. Yeah. Which I'm really big fan. Yeah, I love I love all those movies, like all the Roger Corman, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, Buster, Masquerade, Death, like stuff so good. Pit and the Pendulum. Yeah, Pit and the Pendulum. We got Tomb of Lygia. Um, you, you got like the Haunted Palace, which is actually a Lovecraft yeah. adaptation, yeah. but yeah, I just got the the DVD for that actually today. Just showed up. Nice. Yeah, it took me forever to like find that streaming or like i was looking for it on dvd forever and then a bunch of places like added it within the past few years streaming so i finally got to watch it because it's based on you know my favorite lovecraft story yeah loosely at least i mean i was actually kind of surprised because it's not that loose of an adaptation like it's fairly faithful yeah i feel like um for the time you know i feel like they did a good job of kind of getting to the basics of the story, you know? Yeah. And and hitting on a lot of the, the core ideas of, of the yeah, story. Like the, yeah, the, the concepts are all there, even if the specifics aren't, I guess. Yeah, I feel like they kind of just simplified it for, you know, for time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all right, let's just make it yeah. a little bit more simple. Yeah, I mean, but... if you were going to do it right, you would have to do like a miniseries or something. Yeah, I think so. At least like a four-episode miniseries or something. But yeah, I, mean, I think the think the haunted palace is great though. I love the the atmosphere of it. I remember I rented it back in the day from um, Netflix, but then like you said, it wasn't anywhere, and it was out of yeah. print on DVD as well. So yeah. it was like really hard to find. And then then Amazon and Shutter and all these places put it on recently. So mm-hmm. I'd rewatched it on on Amazon, I think, and then then finally the DVD showed up again. It's like it's only like twelve dollars, so. Nice, yeah, like, totally worth like, it. Yeah, it's like I need to get this in my collection because um, I I really love the movie. Like, if, I love the atmosphere of it. Like the, it's very like um, I guess somebody, some people might might say is almost like cliched, like gothic, you know? Yeah. Like, but I'm all about that. Like, I love that type of thing, you know? Yeah. Like, For sure, just like of- that classic atmosphere. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of like a color version of you know you know how like Black Sunday is you know but yeah like all the fog and you know just kind of mm-hmm. real gothic yeah. gothic things you know yeah that's that's literally like what I was thinking about was like the the fog and everything and just like how some of the scenes are like a painting almost which I mean I guess a lot of the backgrounds <laughs> might have been paintings but I don't know it's a cool aesthetic for sure yeah. For a movie like that, like the fact that that a lot of it is probably um, matte paintings and stuff, it doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't matter because the whole movie has this kind of artificiality to it that, yeah, it it really just looks good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably like if I had to narrow down my favorite horror stuff overall, it's probably the, you know, gothic horror stuff from the. 
I guess yeah. 50s through the 70s, really. You know, I mean, nice. also like the 30s, you know, Universal, that stuff too. But I just really love the whole gothic thing, kind of post-Hammer, right. you know? Because mm-hmm. once Hammer came out and did Horror of Dracula and Curse of Frankenstein and, you know, 57 or whatever, 58, it was like, after that, it was like all these, you know, Euro-Gothic and then the AI pose and, you know, all those great movies like Black Sunday and City of the Dead and, you know, like, yeah, just really just love the whole atmosphere and feeling those movies. It's very inspiring to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I love the 80s stuff too, but yeah, it's just like, that's probably like my favorite thing. And then the second would be like the, the 80s horror, you know? Right, yeah. And I do like the 80s horror where it kind of manages to to be, to have a little bit of that as well in it, you know? The, um, what would you what would you say are examples of that like the 80s stuff yeah that has that kind of i'm thinking as i was just thinking is um because i'm sure well i'm thinking of like some movies i'm thinking of might be 90s because i think like cemetery man but that's like 93 mm-hmm. or like the church you know yeah um both by michelle suave um uh, there's other ones like uh, I'm trying to think with the name Beyond the Door. It's a pretty good one. That has like that kind of gothic atmosphere. It was from the '80s or uh, I don't know if I've seen that one. I think it's on um, on uh, on Shutter. Yeah, I think it's Beyond the nice. Door. It's I think that's the one I'm thinking of because it's set in like a it's like monast like this. Well, it's like a nunnery on on the side of this thing, and it turns out they're trying to they like trying to keep this like evil force in prison it's not kind of very lovecraftian in a way yeah that's a pretty cool one. do you like that uh that uh ken russell movie gothic yeah i love that movie it's so good yeah it's a good one that's definitely one i saw when i was a kid i remember my dad and i watching that when i was a little kid <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny to think pretty, about pretty intense yeah. for a kid yeah I, uh, I even loved it when i was a kid and i, I like to go back to that one and rewatch that because it's just so you know, it's about the birth of the whole thing in so many ways, you know? Yeah, yeah. get to see uh, unhinged Julian Sands. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, yeah. I just watched Warlock recently. Yeah, it's a good one, man. That's good. Yeah, I mean, when I was a, a kid, I was, like, obsessed with that movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like that one a lot, too. Uh, Warlock and also Prophecy. Yeah, the Prophecy, yeah. And Warlock 2, I seem to remember being okay, but I don't think it was as good as the first. But I, yeah, I don't, I haven't seen it since that the 90, Armageddon. 90s. Is that the second one? I think so. I think I it's remember. Warlock Armageddon. Yeah. Because the third one doesn't even have Julian Sand. So, yeah. So it's like, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to watch that shit. You don't have Julian Sand. <laughs> But but you know I watched that movie and I'd be like I wanted to be I wanted to be Julian Sands as the Warlock. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, he's so cool. He's so yeah, cool. Exactly. You want to be the evil one? <laughs> it's like when, it's when I it all it's when it all went wrong for young Carl. I think uh, you know I was already. I mean, obviously as a kid I was already kind of like on that on that level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just a. Uh, it's funny how you look back at those types of things and, and you feel like, you know, I sometimes think that, that, that 
we're not um like some part of us is like uh not necessarily what we watch is 100 percent like i guess what we love you know what i mean like what we what we feel is natural attraction to and i feel like that's just, that's natural to our to our own nature you know in my opinion i feel right. like I, f- I don't feel like it's 100 percent like um like oh just because i saw these things that's why i am the way i am i feel like it's i am the way i am and i watched the found these movies that really speak yeah to, you know what i mean makes sense kind of uh nature versus nurture thing yeah I, f- I just feel like that because from my own experience like that's, that's that that's been my experience there's so there's obviously some acts of aspects of nurture in a sense of like we're raised in a certain time and we have we're exposed to certain things at certain times yeah. you know what i mean that yeah have, yeah for sure have an impact but but the reason that something is attractive to you or you like it i think is more nature you know yeah and i guess they kind of feed off each other too to an extent yeah i think so but i feel like if it wasn't in your nature to be the way be that way in the first place you probably wouldn't you know you know what yeah. i mean like that makes first sense time, first time i saw dracula if i wasn't already kind of had that kind of feeling in myself then i probably wouldn't have reacted in the same way that i did you know <laughs> yeah we're just like obsessed with that and and to the point that like that's when those kind of constants from a four-year-old kid to a you know 36 year old man you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure yeah when i was a kid i saw star wars and darth vader was just the coolest so it's all been it's all been downhill from there (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're like you're like all about the empire yeah (laughs) yeah i always liked empire better i like the the whole i was always very attracted the whole way they they looked and and even the music, I mean, the the Imperial March is like the coolest piece of music from that movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. And even like in the games, like, like you know, you remember X-Wing and TIE Fighter? Like TIE Fighter was the much yeah. better game between those two, you know? <laughs> like I only have, I bought a uh, TIE Fighter Lego set a while back. I still haven't put it together, but, you know. Nice, yeah. Like, Got to go to, sure. Yeah, it's like I need to have a TIE fighter. I don't care about getting an X Wing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're always cooler. The um yeah, I feel like that's the thing. And I mean, obviously there's some aspects that are definitely na- nurture in the sense that like, you know, when we when we find certain things that can kind of like in even if it's naturally like what we're drawn to, when we find it, I think sometimes can also have in different impacts, you know what I mean? like yeah like stuff that you saw when you're younger probably had an even bigger impact than say something you find right today, you know yeah kind it's of just like energy. you got so much less going on in your life and mentally <laughs> at that point that it can take up a bigger like space of your perception of how everything is yeah exactly as opposed to when you're older you got you got so much going on um yeah, what's what's some of your like, you know, what would be like probably your favorite kind of type of horror, you know, or favorite? Um, probably seventies and eighties, like late late seventies and early 
the late 80s slashers in general uh i don't know i like all kinds of stuff i also like a lot of like giallo stuff and uh you know like because those movies are like slashers but with a lot of a surreal atmosphere which you know is something i also dig sometimes it is okay if it doesn't make sense if it looks cool <laughs> Yeah, very so you, uh you kind of have to go with that argento yeah <laughs> sentiment yeah yeah i'm a big fan of uh his movies i particularly like suspiria and inferno those are my favorite argento movies. yeah 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 those are great I like fulci a lot too oh yeah fulci's fulci's amazing i, I mean his, his uh his dead movies are some of my favorite movies of all time like the mm-hmm. beyond and uh particularly the beyond the beyond's my favorite but I, yeah. um, you know, City of the Living Dead and Zombie and House by the Cemetery. It all, there's House all, by the Cemetery, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I, re- yeah, I really, but yeah, be- be- The Beyond is my favorite. I just really liked, love that movie. Yeah. I saw that one when I was like a, I guess, early teenager and definitely stuck with me. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't come to Fulci until I was in my twenties, actually. Mm. Yeah, I think it was like yeah, like early twenties when I finally uh, like got into Fulci. I remember, remember buying. Yeah, I had a, a lot of his stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I had a buddy that worked at a a comic shop when I was a teenager, and he turned me onto a lot of Italian stuff. That's why I got into it a little bit earlier because. <laughs> someone older showed it to me you know yeah that makes sense yeah i didn't yeah i, I kind of got into italian stuff around the same time um i had already been watching a lot of like uh the french like euro gothic stuff like jean roland and you know like stuff like mm-hmm. that and like the as a teenager but, yeah and then also like um stuff like you know uh Tombs of the Blind Dead from Spain, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, those are great. Yeah, and then I got into, I yes, then I started getting into all the Italian horror in my early twenties. Nice. The um, yeah, like big fan, big fan of Italian horror. Like, it's, yeah, uh, it can be so fucking like psycho sometimes, but it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I love the the over the top like way they are like in the colors i like that they use coloring it's like in an artificial way you know yeah yeah i think that that's especially something. like very much argento yeah like if you look at suspiria or something like the color or even inferno the colors don't don't make any sense but they're just there to like kind of help create the mood you know yeah which i kind of like I mean, the weird atmosphere yeah, exactly. I really like that. Like in in horror, when you don't have like a kind of, uh, you know, like I don't know. I just feel like you don't always need to have naturalistic right lighting in horror, you know, because I think that sometimes mm-hmm. it's nice to have this kind of more psychological lighting, you know. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think probably the reason that I enjoy kind of weird like atmospheric psychological stuff has a lot to do with watching the shining when I was really young. 
because yeah. Kubrick was all about, you know, stuff beneath the surface. Yeah, I mean Kubrick was a was a master. Like The Shining is was one of my top top favorite horror movies of all time. Yeah. The um yeah, I love that movie. I was actually listening to the book recently. I didn't I haven't finished it yet, but I got on Audible. I was like listening to it while I work, but I still have to finish it. But I, I had I'd read that book before, like when I was a teenager, that was probably my favorite of his books. That one in Salem's lot. Yeah, uh, Shining's a pretty scary book. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Like I read that book when I was in my early twenties, and I'd seen the movie a million times. I mean, it is a little different, but like reading the book still kind of, you know, creeped me out. So I was impressed. <laughs> yeah, it's a creepy book, and I think part of it too is like you're getting in the head of like Jack and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, which I think adds an extra level to it. Like. You, you and he's feel, a lot more sympathetic in the book. Yeah, he's sympathetic, you know, and and because you're kind of in his head, you kind of start to see how the house is affecting him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or not the house, but the hotel. Yeah, a little bit in a deeper way because you're kind of in his head and you see how he is, and then like you know, the house starts making him kind of act like you know he's already like he's drinking when he's not, you know? Right. Yeah. Like chewing is etc and then having these things going on and and it's like it almost feels like part of that is because it's trying to make wendy think that he's already drinking and build tension between them and stuff you know <laughs> yeah you could feel like the house sure. kind of manipulating him more in the book the, yeah i feel like you get more of the you get more of the the overlook as a character in the book yeah like you get a lot more into the history of the Overlook too, and like the kind of fucked up stuff that's yeah. going on there. And, yeah, and it like it, it feels like it has an agenda. Exactly. Yeah. There's a part to that that kind of reminds me of. Um, I just listened to um, "Legend of Hell House" by uh, Richard Matheson, which yeah. again I've read before, but um, but that book kind of has a similar thing where you get to learn about all this like fucked up stuff that's gone on in this house. And, you know, although right. that book's about like the, the main, this guy, the Blasco guy is like, you know, kind of leading the whole thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the shining is the actual hotel itself, right? Has the sentience. Right. Yeah. I always think stuff like that's cool where there's like, I don't know. Yeah, like like sentient buildings or I don't know, creepy places are like powerful. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like the 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 location itself has has its own like yeah. agenda and consciousness. Yeah, like the genius loci of the the place has its own has its own spirit. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, the genus loci, and and I, yeah. I really I like that. I think that that's a really important piece of like, particularly like weird fiction. You see that a lot with weird, yeah. Fiction. Like, like um, I think Ligotti has some aspects to that in his work, and other other writers, you know. Yeah, uh, you read. I can't remember. Did we talk about Laird Baron before? I don't think so. No. Yeah, he's got like the it's called the Broadsword Hotel that is like a thing 
that pops up in a bunch of his stories. It's kind of the same, same vibe. Yeah, I've never read his his stuff. Actually, it's been kind of on my list to check out. You know, I've heard of him and yeah. everything, and I never haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, it's definitely worthwhile. Yeah, because I think I think last time we 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 touched briefly upon like Lovecraft and stuff. But I don't think we went too much deeper and. Uh... Yeah, I think we we talked about a little bit about Lovecraft and uh, Wagner because you and Mike were doing doing that series. Yeah, they were doing the the Darkness Weave series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't really talk too much about uh, about other st- stuff like. Um, I mean, when did like when did you start reading like the, that kind of like stuff like weird fiction stuff like Lovecraft and all those things? Um, when I was like my last year of high school, I think so. Eighteen. You just kind of like uh, just kind of picked it up and started checking it out, or like yeah, I'm yeah. assuming you probably had heard about Lovecraft. Yeah, I had like you know seen the the name around and stuff, and it was. You know, like now you can find find his stuff anywhere and everywhere, but it was like kind of a pain in the ass to find uh, the stuff at that point. Um, yeah, but like I had heard the name and like seen, because you know they had like Reanimator and like there's that that Necronomicon movie that like says H.P. Lovecraft Necronomicon at the top, like on the VHS or whatever. And I'd always like seen that when I was a kid and. You know, Metallic has the Call of Cthulhu song or whatever. So it was like this thing that was out there. I was like, eh, maybe it's time to actually check out this Lovecraft guy and get into some of his stuff. Because I'd read a lot of Poe and everything. I was looking for new new horror to read. But yeah, it was it was kind of a pain to track down his stuff to read. Yeah, my first Lovecraft book I got was a... Uh... I had to go to we had to go to a used bookstore and I had to get the a uh, used copy of the blood curdling stories of like the yeah the, that kind of that Del Rey collection yeah that yeah that's what I was gonna say I think that's one of the Del Rey ones yeah it's one of uh, wheel and cover mm. which is you yeah know, I got the, cl- the, the classic cover <laughs> I got the ones that are that Penguin did their St Joshi annotations yeah I have I, have like, I think there's as well I think. Yeah, I think there's three of them. I like picked those up one at a time and read through all of them. Yeah, I actually bought those penguin ones as, as well, just because um, you know they're types that the most pro. You know, like they're 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 you know Joshi made sure that they're presented like exactly how Lovecraft right. wanted them and and everything. So. Yeah, because even with the uh, the Delray collections, they kind of. Um, Typeset them slightly different stuff like that, but uh, mm-hmm. although like the Delray ones are more complete, they have everything, which the Penguin yeah. ones don't doesn't have everything. But because between the three Delray ones, you get literally every every single thing, right? You know, which is kind of nice. Yeah. But yeah, those Penguin ones are real, are really pretty cool too. The um, but yeah, that that was uh, how it started, and then it started, you know. Going, you know, and a lot of it, I guess, was from Joshi's annotations and reading like uh, Lovecraft's essays, supernatural horror and literature, and just finding these authors that inspired him. Which is always a good thing to do. Like, if you like <laughs> a writer or a band, like look into their influences and see 
you know, you probably also find more stuff that you like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that, that, that essay is such a great source for, uh, for getting into weird fiction. I feel like, you know, yeah. Or, you know, the absolutely roots of weird, weird fiction as of 1920, you know, like the roots of yeah. weird fiction that, that, yeah. You're so much in that, 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 that essay, you know? Yeah, for sure. And into yeah. like, uh, Arthur Mackin and, uh, uh, Algernon Blackwood and stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't get into, I actually got into Mackin more recently, surprisingly. It was like, I don't yeah, know, two, three, I, two or three years ago. Yeah. Uh, same for me, probably 20, 2018, maybe. So a little bit longer ago, but. The, yeah. part, part of that's because uh, his stuff was kind of hard to get a hold of because I, I remember, yeah, I remember you know reading about you know the great god Pan like that sounds cool. Then you try to get you know I couldn't even get it at the library. You know the yeah. library didn't even yeah. have a copy. Like the same thing with the King in Yellow. So it was like impossible to right. read those things. Yeah, and I, I think it's only been more recently that they have all been. Yeah, it all just kind of boomed in the past like ten years. Like along with Lovecraft, it seems like he's risen a lot of his uh influences up as well yeah i do, definitely I, I it's which is great i mean it's really nice to be able to find all this stuff finally that maybe it would have been a lot yeah. harder to find you know 15 years ago or t- yeah. 20 years ago yeah for sure and then like like we talked about last time like it's good that wagner's stuff is finally getting reprinted in some capacity yeah, we just need need the rest to get reprinted. <laughs> yeah, because it means it was just a, a small amount compared to what he actually put out, but it's a start, right? Yeah, it's definitely a start. I just got my copy of uh, Noctuary, the Legati reprint from Terra Press. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw, I saw you post that. What all's in there? Well, it's, uh, it's, like it's, a, it's the cle- Story Collection Noctuary. Which uh, has gotcha. been out of out of print for a while. Like, um, I don't have that collection because I mean, it's to to buy the older older edition of it is like three hundred to five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, I think I, I have um, like Grim Scribe and Songs of a Dead Dreamer, which they just you know republished that one within the past five to ten years, also. And then um, I think the first Legati I read. Because it was the only thing I could find in print was Teatro Grotesco. Yeah, yeah. I have I have Teatro Grotesco, the Grim Scribe one, the Penguin one. Um, my work is not yet done. And then um, yeah, yeah. Pretty much, I think Noctuary and Spectral Link were the last two of his story collections that were out of print. Oh, so, so yeah. So them. So Chapter re- releasing this is, is really great you know mm-hmm. like they're doing yeah it's a hardcover one definitely definitely recommend picking it up you know to if you want to read the re- yeah. rest of Lugati. Uh, i'm sure that they'll probably end up doing a soft cover one too but i don't know if that's for sure or not because i know they just did yeah Lugati did releases like poem collection pictures of the apocalypse as well and they right. released a paperback version of that afterwards but so I don't know if they're going to do that with Noxray or not, like, but definitely like, it's a good idea to pick it up while you can, you know. Yeah, for sure. The um, a lot of this stuff from like smaller presses, you never know 
Yeah, it's like uh, what was it? Um, the people that did that, they did like two Carl Edward Wagner things, and now they're super hard to get. Centipede Press. Yeah, yeah, the Centipede Press ones are pretty expensive. Yeah, now. which I got. I found the first one, like a super deal at a used bookstore a few years ago. It's like probably the best, like thing I've ever <laughs> gotten a deal on. But yeah, I, I still awesome. want to have the second one. Yeah, yeah, I've been meaning to go hit go down in town and hit some of the some of the used bookstores that and try to see if I can find any Wagner like paperbacks or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I only I got right. The only cane I've been able to find, I did get a copy of Bloodstone like three or four years ago from a a used store, and it was like they knew what it was, like it was still like twenty or twenty five bucks or something. But yeah, it's cool the, to have. There's one page. It's a collectible science fiction fantasy pay, paper uh, page on um, Instagram. I follow, and he he did get a full collection of of the cane paperbacks, but you know he wanted like thirty bucks each. So yeah, I was like, I don't have kind of hard to spend on all, yeah. all four of them right now. Like even though I'm very tempted, <laughs> kind of hard to justify. Yeah, I mean. It just it, it kind of kind of sucks now because I mean we grew up in the time where I could go to a used bookstore and buy all my paperbacks for three bucks, you know, five yeah. hours, you know, and it's like yeah. Nowadays, because of the internet and everything, all these book dealers can just look online and see what they have, and so they can charge whatever, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So it's not quite the, the same as it used to be. <laughs> yeah. I miss. It. You can <laughs> just look up the price of anything instantly yeah. yeah it's a lot harder to find like good deals on stuff now yeah i feel like i feel like the way for that is to go to maybe some backwoods place where they got like a, <laughs> a used bookstore yeah. in like some like smaller town somewhere where they're not you know they don't know quite what they have yeah probably your best bet but i don't know i just miss i just miss being able to find like really cool paperbacks for like five bucks you know yeah yeah, I, I kind of wish that I knew about Carl Edward Wagner when I was younger too. Like, I, I would have loved to read like the Kane stuff when I was like a teenager. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of uh, good stuff. A lot of you know, obviously Howard was a big influence on him, but it's also he you know he puts in a little bit more horror. Almost, I mean, Howard did write some horror stuff, but. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of horror in the Conan for ex- in Cole, but yeah. I definitely think that Wagner gets a little bit more horrific of his stuff. Yeah. The um. Yeah, like, uh, what are some? What are some of your other like favorite authors? Like outside of like you know Lovecraft and Machen and Howard and stuff like that. Like, um, let me think about it for a second. I was I was just talking to a friend earlier about uh, like the Witcher books, like uh, Sapkowski's Witcher series. Pretty good, good stuff. Um, yeah, I just finished good. reading. Yeah, a couple of years ago, I finished reading uh, Glenn Cook's Black Company series. It's really good if you like like gritty, low fantasy stuff. 
Yeah, I have uh, I have some of Glenn Cook's book, books. I can't remember which which series it is. Uh, yeah, he's done a f- a few different series. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of all over the place. I like a you know, a lot of fantasy stuff, horror stuff, obviously. Um, also, got a lot of old noir stuff, like uh, Dashiell Hammett. Yeah, I'm a big fan of stuff of, like that. Big fan of noir. I'm a big fan of uh, um, Raymond Chandler in particular. Yeah, uh, yeah, Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett are my two two favorites. I would say. Yeah, I'm a big fan of, of both of their work. Like when it comes to noir, I'm a big fan of them and uh, James Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Elroy, huge fan of Elroy's stuff, like yeah. you know, L.A. Confidential yeah. and all that stuff. You know, yeah, the the uh, he did that Black Dahlia book too, right? Yeah, Black Dahlia is great. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I like that that that, that quadrology of uh, Big Nowhere and Black Dahlia, L.A. Confidential and White Noise. Right. Yeah, it's a really good like good series. Yeah. And you get to see his, his, like, by the time you get to White Noise, it's so statico and so, like, crazy, you know, like the way that it's written, you know? Yeah. It's very extreme. I think probably, probably my favorite out of those ones is LA Confidential, though. Just, although, yeah, Black Dolly is great because it's, that one's um, basically a horror novel in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, like the whole whole setup that he came up with for for the murderer is just so fucked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like you're two steps away from like a Clive Barker novel or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny because I'm I'm looking at a Clive Barker book on my little shelf right now. That was another one I was going to mention. Clive Barker's a big back to go back to horror. Clive Barker's a big big one. Yeah, well, what's your especially opinion? books of books of blood probably the first the first uh one through three or whatever yeah me too yeah i, I mean i like i like hellbound, hellbound heart a lot too i read that multiple times yeah those are probably my favorite barker as well particularly the books of blood and uh, yeah mm-hmm. i figured out the books of blood the other books of blood are just repackaged versions of uh, some of his other collections yeah uh, you know, like uh, in the flesh, and I forget the name of the other. Like, there's a couple other collections, and they just repackage them as books of blood, <laughs> mm-hmm. four, four through six or whatever. Because I was gonna yeah, buy that. Like... I was gonna buy that four through six one, and I realized that I already have all the stories because because they're in these. Yeah, books. I feel like you get a good like exposure to Clive Barker's voice, I guess, in in books of blood. Like you know, you get to see a lot of his themes that pop up in you know his longer novels just broken down into smaller chunks yeah some some of his novels can be a little bit uh a little bit daunting like you know magica or uh yeah the huge the huge ones <laughs> yeah they can be a little daunting um like since some of them i haven't read like um i haven't read the great and secret show uh, or Weave World. I have read Magica, but that was like when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in the middle of Damnation Game right now. Yeah, that, that's a really good novel. I've, I've read that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's probably my favorite of his novels that I have read. I see. Yeah, it's been it's been good so far. Yeah, and yeah, you, know, you know, I like Cabal as well. It's like kind of a shorter novel. Mm -hmm. I like Cabal better than Nightbreed the movie. <laughs> yeah, I love Nightbreed. It was, it was all right, but not great. Yeah, it's not my favorite. I I don't know what is about that movie, but just really doesn't do it for me. Yeah, yeah. Have uh, really some of it, some of it, like it, it just doesn't like translate well. Yeah, and I don't. It's know, not as impactful. Yeah, it's just kind of like how I, I just can't get through that movie. I've you know I've watched it through at least once, and then I've tried to watch the director's cut, and it felt the same way. I was gonna like, yeah, this movie does not do it for me. It's like boring, kind of. Yeah, I feel like I feel like people either love that movie or they feel the same way as we do. It's, it's, yeah, like no in between. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely have friends that are like all about it, but yeah, there's people who are obsessed with the movie, and for me, I'm just kind of like I can't, I can't deal it. Yeah, I probably you know I do like Lord of Illusions as a movie though. That's a great, that's a great movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Umbrella is releasing a uh, a new Blu-ray for it that has both the original and the director's cut. So, funny oh, that's cool. that up. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen the director's cut. I've only seen the original one. Yeah, I haven't seen the director's cut either. Yeah, have Have you read some of Barker's like longer novels? Like, I've I've not read any of the like big ones. Yeah. Oh, I, I did read Cold Heart Canyon though. That. Mm. Um, that one's pretty good. It has, it, it has a, it kind of, kind of takes a turn though, um, towards the end where it didn't, I didn't really, it kind of started not liking as much, you know? Yeah. But the first part of it's like very good. Very like atmospheric. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, set in like, you know, it had, it, it, it really has this kind of like haunting feeling of like, you know, decayed Hollywood, you know, yeah. stuff, you know, and uh, it just kind of goes down a weird pathway that I didn't like towards right. the end, you know? Yeah. But it's still probably worth reading. Another uh, author that is probably one of my favorites. Have you ever read any Tim Powers? I have not, no. He writes like, I don't know, it's almost hard to classify like because it's sort of historical fiction but it's like so fantasy that it's almost like you know like he, he starts with like a historical thing that happened and then it just goes kind of crazy but he works in a lot of like horror and sci-fi stuff as well so it's pretty cool like he's got a he's got a probably my favorite of his novels that i read is called declare and it's about uh Cold War spies, but like the like thing that's going on behind the scenes is like Russia secretly has this gin that they've had, like you know, has been like instructing them and they've been like kind of, you know, keeping trapped and like getting all these secrets and stuff from. So it turns okay. into this big like occult spy thriller thing. It's pretty it's it's pretty crazy. That sounds cool, yeah. So, yeah, I like the sound of that. I'll have to check. You said ten, yeah. ten powers. Yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. He's got a, he's got another one. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the name. Uh, it's called The Stress of Her Regard. And it's about, like, it's about all the, uh, like, uh, the ro romantic movement, like the poets, like uh, Shelley and uh, Byron and all those, like that whole circle. It's like the premise is that they all got their, like, inspiration from these vampiric creatures that kind of like feed off of them. And that's like how they get their ideas and stuff. And so there's, and then things go terribly wrong, of course. So yeah, he's definitely like an interesting author that has some original ideas. Yeah. That sounds really cool actually. Like, yeah, I think, I think you'd be into that, that one particularly. Cause I know like you're into that kind of, you know, all the like Gothic stuff. Yeah, definitely. You know, I love all that that whole era and and uh, and um, you know, all the whole story of Byron and all of them as well. Yeah, and you know, Byron, uh, Byron. You know, he could. I mean, he's he seemed like he was like a vampire in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's kind of it's actually kind of weird. Um, you know, Paul. Uh, if you ever read like the story that um that he wrote that you know when they did their whole like daring thing Pol and, polidori the, yeah, the vampire the vampire yeah. yeah um you know lord ruthven is like buried like in you know in he's greece. very much byron kind of yeah. and and then that he's like buried in greece right and then he comes back to yeah. but but it's weird how that ended up like truth and reality I mean, reality and fiction kind of mixed together because in the yeah. end, Byron was buried in Greece, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's very weird. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Bear, or Lord Roosevelt is very much Byron. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, going back to the, I mean, we were talking about Gothic, which obviously is about the same, the same uh, events. Um, I love Gabriel Byrne crazy. as Byron. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy how much of like the foundations of horror came from that <laughs> that night or whatever. Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, you know, or you know, I guess like that really in reality is probably like a whole, you know, weekend or whatever, but you yeah. know, like mythologizes one night, but yeah, it's like yeah. so much of horror, you know, it's it's really funny cuz if you think about it, like Frankenstein and Dracula because really I mean yeah in so many ways it's like the vampire yeah. is like the the roots for Dracula you know Proto, yeah Stoker just kind of ripped it off and made did a better job writing it yeah I kind of made his his own thing and had more of actual like yeah. you know mythology and folklore and stuff and, and what he mm -hmm. did and I mean and also I mean you did have Carmilla uh come out you yeah know, in between like uh, sheridan found a new novel but that's you know that's like the uh female lesbian vampire which of course is one of my favorite uh movie genres as well <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of the best tropes yeah i love all those movies like <laughs> so the hammer ones like the vampire lovers yeah. and stuff like that yeah vampiros lesbos vampiros lesbos or daughters of darkness mm-hmm yeah, I like all that stuff. I, anything about like Countess Bathory is cool in my book too. Like Countess Dracula, yeah. Ingrid Pitt, and into that, you know. Yeah, it's just great. 
Although it was funny in that movie, Ingrid Pale always complained that because the the part where she's bathing in blood is kind of like lame. It's just like some like red water, you know. Yeah. She's like, I wanted to be covered in blood, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Nowadays we we could get away with that, you know. Yeah. It's like in, a lot better special effects now. Yeah. Well. I remember in Hostel 2, there's that part where where the lady bathes in the victim's mm-hmm. blood, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember seeing that in the theater and just being like, what? Yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool, at least. You know, a little, little yeah. counter bath reaction going on here. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the Hostel movies, but uh, they're okay. Yeah, but that was that was a cool scene. Yeah, that was a cool scene, that one. Kind of like the, I actually overall kind of like the second one a little bit better than the first one, anyway. So, right. Yeah. The um. I think. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy to think about all that, all that stuff came from there, and you know, like, let's see. I mean, it was the early eighteen hundreds. I mean, we're literally like you know two hundred years from the birth of those things. You know. Right. Like. Because probably would have been like around 1820s, I think. I, I can't remember exactly. No, earlier than that. I think Frankenstein came out in 1817. I forget. Sometime around then. But uh, 200 years later, we're still uh, talking about it. There's still a million movies being made about these things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy to just think about the impact. Something that I just think about. Well, yeah, as far as. What were you gonna say? As far as I was gonna say, as far as uh, books, you you mentioning Countess Bathory reminded me. Like I also just read a lot of you know nonfiction about stuff like that, um, like you know crazy events that have happened in human history, just like real life horror stuff. It's a lot of like fuel for the music that I write. Yeah, that's it's always cool to read about those things. I actually just got a book about Countess Bathory recently. It's called uh, uh, "Dracula Was a Woman" or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that, but I haven't read it. It's done by the same one of the guys who did uh, "In Search of Dracula." In Search of Dra- yeah, yeah, and they did "In Search of Frankenstein" as well, which is a cool book. I have I have all the oh books. cool yeah. I didn't I didn't know about the Frankenstein one. It's really cool. It actually is like really interesting because um he was a because mary shelley put a lot of uh their travels like into the book basically you know mm-hmm. right about right about you know you know yeah and what's really interesting is that there is actually a baron frankenstein in one of the places that they went through who was oh, this cool. infamous like alchemist or something like that <laughs> so it almost kind always, of always always a fan of infamous alchemists yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Always up to no good. Yeah, up to no good. So I can. I, I, I the book's really cool, and it gets into like alchemy and that kind of stuff from the Middle Ages and everything, which is pretty cool. So I, I really, yeah. really like that book as well. Right. And I, I love uh, In Search of Dracula. I have old paperback, and I got like a newer trade paperback of it with an Edward Gorey cover, which is really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and also I really like their their book about. Dracula, um, uh, biography of of uh, of Vlad. Yeah, Vlad Tepes. That's a really cool yeah. book as well. Yeah, I have that one. It's a good read. Yeah, so I definitely can recommend picking up uh, 
the Dracula's woman one, like, because, uh, yeah, I mean, they're not really saying the Dracula's woman, but it is like, it's, right. it's kind of like a dumb yeah. title, but, uh, but it's, it's cool. I mean, it gets into history of, of Countess Bathory and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, I think, yeah, like, cause she was, she was up to some interesting occult stuff. Yeah. I mean, the whole story of Countess Bathory, like, is really cool and, you know, her and her witch Darvulia, you know, mm -hmm. there's a band too from France called Darvulia, which named after Bathory's, uh, witch handmaiden lady. <laughs> <laughs> nice darvalia yeah and uh yeah, i just love that whole story i'm like really and I've, I've always been really fascinated by countess bathory yeah like, for sure that was like um one i think one of the first the first cradle filth album i bought was cruelty and the beast which is still my favorite i was really attracted to the whole fact that it's all about countess bathory you know <laughs> mm -hmm. it was like and that that's a cool album too yeah I don't know. I, I I was like evil women, I guess. <laughs> don't we all? Yeah, the all that stuff is cool. I'm big, I'm really into history stuff as well. Yeah, there's some there's some characters out there. Yeah, Gilderay, yeah, Bathory, Gilderay. Yeah, and uh, I have a cool Gilderay. Uh, biography as well from like the 1920s no oh, cool yeah which is really cool i'll have to show that to you yeah i have uh, i can't remember the name of it it's like a more recent book i picked up a few years ago that's like basically the thesis of the book is that gilderay was suffering from like mind shattering ptsd from like his normal time in the military service or whatever mm -hmm. it's a pretty interesting read yeah, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard of that book. Check that out. Yeah, Gold Ray's another yeah. really interesting character. Yeah. You know, you know, like uh, if 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 he actually did what he what they said he did, I mean, now it's pretty pretty rough. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised that it's not really ever been like a horror movie specifically about Gold Ray that I've seen. Yeah, I think there's. I mean, there's been, you know, stuff that references it or is inspired by it partially, I guess, but. I think I, I don't know. I was doing some research on it a few years ago, and I want to say that not too long ago they actually did a uh, like an unofficial retrial of Gilderay and found him not guilty based on like the evidence or whatever. It was like I can't remember. It was like one one uh, uh, district in France or whatever. Like had like a like basically a mock legal thing just pretty interesting um it makes like obviously he he probably did some terrible stuff but it's you know a, a question of whether or not you know like how much of it was exaggerated or turned into like legend over time you know yeah i mean this kind of the same thing with all of them with with kind of spathory as well and uh yeah and definitely with vlad tepesh i mean vlad tepesh definitely did some fucked up stuff but um a lot of yeah. the stories about him were from these German pamphlets that were kind of like, uh, yeah, propaganda basically. Yeah, propaganda against him because because the the Germans hated Vlad Tepes because she he was like against the Saxons there in Transylvania. Yeah, because, because the Saxon like uh, German population there would 
was very wouldn't I guess it was like wouldn't wouldn't go along with them or whatever. Cooperate or whatever, yeah. Yeah. So so some of a lot of the stories about Vlad Tepes, you know, have to be taken with grain of salt. Some of them are true, like he did yeah. he did uh impale pale like a basically a whole Turkish army. Yeah. Out, outside of Tur uh Vesta, I think. Right. And the and the and the because the Turkish army literally uh turned around and left after they saw that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, that's just how that's, that's how they fought wars back then, man. Like, you yeah. know, like Particularly the guess, uh, Turks and effective stuff. Uh, deterrent there. Yeah, well, it's like if you look back at like the Babylonian, you know, era. You look at their mm -hmm. stuff like they would talk about erecting pyramids of skulls. Like you know, if they they conquered something, they would destroy it entirely. You know, stuff like that. Right. I think that's just yeah. how the Middle East like fights wars. You know. Yeah. Just complete brutality. Yeah. So yeah, I know. Vlad Tepes was just using their tactics against them, really. Yeah. But yeah, you never know with, with Gilderay or with Bathory if if they really did all the things they said they were done. But probably, probably I would imagine they did some something, but probably not to the uh, extent that they were right. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I uh, I can't remember where I heard this theory but there was another theory that um gilderay basically snapped and lost his mind whenever uh joan of arc was burnt at the stake because like they had you know been in battle together and were you know i guess ostensibly had some sort of friendly relationship you know might might be reaching a little bit because I don't know that there's evidence of them like being super close or anything, but just thought it was kind of a kind of a neat theory. Anyways, just because there was so much, you know, rumors and legends about Joan of Arc as well, and like I don't know how much you know about all that. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely yeah. From my understanding, there's there's at least some type of relationship there because he he supported her, you know, mm -hmm. in the in the in the wars and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I could definitely see that and I could see him turning against God and, and the church and all that stuff. Yeah, like that's right. That's kind of the the idea. Yeah. Cause you think, you know, she's like the saint, you know, like and Yeah, and, and then the, the the church that she supports or whatever burns her <laughs> as a witch. Exactly. So you could see So he's that. just like, Yeah, what how could this happen? Or whatever. Yeah. So you could you could see that if that would be the case, and you know, definitely probably he was indeed uh turning to alchemists and stuff like that, like to Yeah. Yeah, for sure. To to create gold and you know, which mm -hmm. of course is a fool's errand because you can't actually create gold that way, but <laughs> people thought they could. I mean I always thought that was interesting because it's like alchemy obviously is an, an internal art, right? When you look at the alchemical text, mm. it's not really about like turning gold to, you know, lead to gold or anything. That's like a, that's like a symbolic language, but there's people, I think even in the time who believe that that was the case, you know what I mean? That it, it was yeah. like a, a purely physical art, you know? 
Right. It's, it's just kind of funny to think about. Yeah, for sure. I did a lot of research and stuff about that when I was writing uh, the Grave Alchemist album. Just kind of just like vampirism and alchemy ideas combined. Right. That's what kind of what that, that album is, is all about. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's probably my favorite of your albums so far. Thanks, man. Yeah. I like that, that one. That was a, it's a good, good time making that one. Yeah. And I do like your last album too, because I mean, you reference uh, like all the kind of, um, the kind of French decadent stuff, you know, like. Yeah. Which yeah. Which I like. And I mean, speaking of Guild Ray, of course, there's like the novel La Boss, which is. Yeah. Very exactly. much about, you know, Guild That Ray. was kind of the, yeah, the starting the starting point of that and then like that that uh first like the the intro song is laba based off you know the Wiesmann's novel and also gilderay and then the first like song song sorcery and sanctity takes takes the title from a mocking story but it's very much about gilderay yeah that's awesome yeah, I, I, La Ba is like a very uh, inspiring novel to me. I love that novel. Yeah, absolutely. And you get into like the the whole like black mass and everything. Yeah, and I mean, I've Pretty heard cool. that Huzma's that this is like based on real experience he had and everything. So, yeah, I heard I heard that too. Which yeah, because you had you had the kind of French diabolism in the decadent era, you know. Yeah, which was very strong. Yeah, I mean, I would say that, that that period of history was the one time that there was like legitimate <laughs> historical, you know, Satanism going on somewhere that's like documented, you know. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was definitely uh, for real. And I mean, the roots of yeah. that even went back to the, the 1600s, I know, and like the kind of yeah. aristocratic circles, you know. Yeah, like, and the whole, that, all that and then like the whole affair of the poisons and everything like france was the france was a happening place yeah france france was definitely a happening place for for satanism in the time <laughs> and uh I, th I think some of that's even spread to uh in that time period to um to berlin because i know that august strindberg was involved with alchemy and uh satanic stuff at that time as well when he was in berlin yeah um mm -hmm. in the same time as like edward Munch and all of them were there you know yeah like so i feel like i feel like there was this kind of undercurrent of that kind of stuff going on which is really interesting yeah and i think a lot of good art came out of it or from you know adjacent people who were on the outside of of all that like you know kind of the edges yeah ended up making a lot yeah. of good art yeah Particularly, yeah, I mean, my favorite era of art is the 18, you know, later 1800s to, through to the early 1900s, you know, like the yeah. whole, whole era of uh, symbolism and expressionism and, and yeah, all that I like stuff. Art, yeah, symbolism and Art Nouveau are probably my, like, you know, like decadent stuff in general. Big fan of that whole era as well. Yeah, that, Basically, like I don't know, 
even even you know i really love like the romanticism and gothic movement as well in earlier 1800s but when it kind of like folded over into you know kind of grew into the cold decadent symbolist movement you know yeah you know, i guess i guess i guess it would be there in a lot of ways to be the art you know all that kind of art from the mid 1800s all the way up to probably world war ii you know yeah it's just i think that's like the the greatest period of art in my opinion the stuff that i love the most and uh yeah art and so much of the literature of the time as well yeah there was so much good stuff that you know it's a broad time period but i you know i agree that's a lot of the best stuff came from them yeah i mean it, and i feel like there's kind of a, a movement you know you have like from the romantic uh romantic movement and which kind of goes hand in hand with the kind of gothic literature yeah going into going into the uh yeah the yeah. symbolist movement decadent all that you know like and of course that that whole uh, when you're getting into the early 20th century too i mean that's when you have like the, the create you know weird fiction i think is a natural outspringing from the decadent movement you know yeah i mean if you look at like Machen, he is a perfect like tie between the two yeah Machen and blackwood i mean mm. um because they were both involved with like the golden dawn yeah uh you know like mock Machen was definitely very much involved with that whole that whole thing and so much of it i mean robert chambers you know like writing in you know the 1890s with the the king in yellow you know he's coming out of that right. type of like um symbolist art studio i mean that was his life like living in paris of like this kind of symbolist art studios and stuff you know right it's just yeah so much weird fiction i think really springs from that era like yeah and you know for me it's all all the way up to like probably my favorite art movements is the expressionist movement and the late 1800s very early 1900s you know of course that post post world war one kind of had her was still going on as well particularly like in yeah. film you know yeah like that's probably like my favorite overall in so many ways partly because it's probably the main art movement that has a big influence on my own art you know yeah but uh for sure yeah but i've always been really obsessed with with like symbolism and I don't know. For me, like this might sound obviously. For I don't think it's too weird. I think some other people probably feel this way, but I've always felt like you know you have this kind of movement at that time, and then a hundred years later, you know, late eighties, early nineties, you have a similar type of movement which arises within, like particularly with metal, with like black metal and a lot of the doom metal and stuff. You know, from Europe, like so much of that has the same type of feeling as as like that older art. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. Like I feel like there's a direct kind of lineage of some sort between like so much of black metal and uh, the type of energy of a lot of the kind of decadent art and the you know yeah it's just like really I don't know it's charged with a lot of energy feels like it's real and you know at least early black metal also was not really made for a commercial audience so much so has that in common with 
with that art as well i feel like yeah and you have this similar type of use of like of like the symbol you know in the language and and the kind of diabolism of that era as well and you know yeah yeah there's, there's definitely perils i know like a lot of people involved with black metal are also you know very very inspired by a lot of stuff like Baudelaire and yes blah, blah, and all that kind of stuff you know what i mean so there's that influence is there and of course you can see it as well from doom metal like with like my dying bride for example is like very much you know <laughs> yeah has the same feeling you know what i mean mm -hmm. so i've always always felt like there was some type of i find it interesting because yeah kind of arrays like almost 100 years from each other in a way right like i don't know but i feel like art um is in terms of the visual art i think the like once you got into the post world war ii era like i, I don't know what happened to visual art but it, it really yeah <laughs> went down I, was, <laughs> I was about to go on a tangent about that a minute ago it was like after after world war ii everything kind of went to hell not in a good way no yeah i mean the the kind of modern art modernists and... yeah it's horrible yeah. right like i mean if you go to like a modern art museum that is primarily you know post-war pretty much the only thing that that i can kind of like is like maybe a willem de kooning you know yeah like stuff like it's in that kind of vein but so much of it is just like horrible you know yeah it's like what just... what is this yeah it's like I'm sorry, but like you know, rolling up some paint onto a canvas, like in a shape, does not make you an artist, you know? Right. It's like it's not. It's not the same. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I just I don't know. Like I've just always felt very like kind of antagonistic to so much of that. It's it's not even like you don't like it. Don't I mean I don't think that someone needs to be like a a technical wizard like a master craftsman to be able to make good art like it's not that it's just that so much of that stuff doesn't like feel you know i i look at it and i don't feel anything you know exactly yeah i mean yeah i just don't like like that kind of that kind of stuff i mean it's just it doesn't have feeling to it doesn't have emotion you know like there's no representation either because it's so up its own ass. You know what I mean? Like so much yeah. mod modern art is like the kind of modern art world, quote unquote, is like just so conceptual and up its own ass that it's just, it's just, yeah. like, it's, it's just idiotic, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times the whole thing where it's like, Oh, well the, like the viewer is supposed to interpret it. Like, yeah, that's true to an extent, but I find a lot of times in, modern art that that's kind of a cop-out and yeah, I mean, a lot of it's just shallow if there's nothing to interpret how are we supposed to interpret it like if you're not saying right. anything real yeah you know like what it, i mean or you know i've seen some pieces where it's very like just kind of nonsense like a, a square box like in front of a white wall right i've seen i've actually right. seen this yes. very thing and then you look over and it, it has like this artist statement of what it means and yeah. you're like this is not saying what you're what you're like saying. this is not <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like you you made these like you did this and then you made up what it was about <laughs> or you you decided what you were gonna say it meant and then you did something 
and you know it's not actually connected yeah it and you know then you get other people up their own asses like uh talking all this you know deep stuff about something that's basically meaningless you know what i mean that's a piece of art <laughs> yeah it's that it's kind of baffling to me you know like uh, and there's there's like a, a line between being avant-garde and being bullshit you know exactly yeah you know like i i don't know i just i feel like it's not saying anything really you know i feel like i feel like art has to be representational to a certain degree uh i mean there are some non-representational kind of abstract things which i like because they somehow manage to convey a feeling you know what i mean even when it's non-representational yeah. like um you know like for example like i don't like mark roscoe does his color fields right and actually like his color fields because they they somehow managed to yeah. express something through the yeah colors, I, that's you know? that's actually funny because i was like sitting here i was i was gonna say like i don't hate rothko's stuff because i feel like it actually does something yeah like when you look at the piece that he did before he killed himself like you feel the heaviness from it you know what i mean like mm -hmm. there's something in his art that that convey some but that's because he painted it he painted off his own he put like an emotion into the piece you know yeah and i yeah. think that that for me is i think you can thing, you, you know? can and you pick up on that and you can also see someone who's doing a similar thing that it wasn't real for them and and you pick up on that too yeah, like because there's people who try to rip off Rothko and they do these color field paintings and they obviously just used like a paint roller and painted like a square right. on, and it's just like you don't you're right. completely like, missing the point. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm going to use a paint roller and I'm going to Google what different uh, colors are supposed to represent psychologically and then I'm going to make this thing like that doesn't work, you know? Exactly, yeah. Because I think that something that a lot of people seem to miss with art which I also think shows up in music too, is that the feeling that you like when I paint when I paint something, I feel like I'm like you're you're like giving life to something. Like you're you're putting you're creating this object that has like a a feeling, an energy that you you're expressing through it in some way or or you know, it, it has this kind of life of its own. And I feel like um Right that's the thing with something like a Rothko is even though, yeah, it's, it's on surface kind of simple. The effect of it is because he painted it and put this energy into it. So now yeah. it has this energy and this, this, this feeling a kind of like encoded within the painting itself. If that makes sense. And, uh, right. Yeah, no, I totally get it. That's what I think at least. And I think that, that but you know but ultimately like do i want to see anybody else like ripping off mark rothko no, like, <laughs> no it's, thing, it's you know? been done and it's you know it's been done yeah it's been done and it's done and it's good we don't need any more pollocks we don't need any more rothkos we no i think kind of what are you gonna say i was gonna say like thinking in terms of music as well as visual art a lot of times it is about uh you know channeling i guess in a way something yeah, exactly, yeah. like your inspiration and like being faithful to that and like anytime if i'm working on music or whatever it feels like you know usually the best songs are the ones that just come together really fast because it's like pure 
pure in a way. And uh, a lot of times if it's, you know, taking me a while to compose something, whether, whether that's, you know, music or visual art, if I find myself thinking about how people are going to react to it or respond to it, I'll like step away from it for a while because that shouldn't matter. You know, like it's more important to accurately convey the feeling that like inspired it than it is to like create a pro product, if that makes sense. And I feel like a lot of people miss that. No, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. Like you said, it, it is like a channeling for me as well. Like, like when I paint, for example, generally nine times, so sometimes I have like a kind of image or concept in my head a little bit. Yeah. But a lot right. of times I just kind of go for it, you know, and mm -hmm. see what comes out. And it's kind of like, let's see what my subconscious is going to tell me or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. painting just kind of comes out. I try to turn off right. that, that, uh, that sensor, you know, and just like get in tune with your body and just start like painting or drawing or whatever you know that's that's generally yeah. how i create art like because i just kind of turn off that that center and then as i'm going it starts to shape itself into what it's going to yeah. be you know yeah and i feel like just being like training yourself to be able to do that and like convey what it is that was the initial impression or, or not you know if you don't have a fully formed idea just like to continuously channel that impression or idea or whatever faithfully you know yeah like or like the kind of energy like a lot of times i'm kind of feeling something like you know a feeling in that then i might have like a basic i kind of a germ of a of an idea or something and you just go for it and let that feeling or energy that you're trying to communicate kind of translate itself into a some symbol, you know, uh, that, yeah, that uh, sometimes arises spontaneously, you know, like, and that, that symbol very much speaks to whatever it is that you're channeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like, you know, so much, I feel like uh, art, that I prefer generally is more symbolic in that sense, you know, it's, it has these types of images and, and feelings, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, um, I personally feel like the best, like art nowadays primarily is being done by people who do art for like metal covers and stuff. <laughs> so yeah. Much, there's a lot of good stuff. So like it's coming so out. Yeah, I feel like there's so many great artists like involved with you know who are often are being involved with like making art for bands and stuff. Even you know it's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like compared to like the modern art world, you know what I mean? Where you still right. have the same bands, same artists doing like the same bullshit they've been doing for like forty years. You know? Right. It's like everything is post modern, post post modern. Let's see how lazy we. <laughs> we can be and convince someone that it's art i guess <laughs> yeah i don't i just don't get it dude i just have a hard time like it just baffles me like how people accept that bullshit you know yeah when there's like artists who are really truly good artists like making amazing art out there you know what i mean yeah it's such the the like fine art world is super weird Yeah, I just don't. I don't relate to that uh, world at all. Like, yeah. The uh, 
I just find it find it interesting because because post post World War II has become that 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 fine art world has become very static. I feel like like it's all kind yeah. of non representational conceptual art and stuff like that. Yeah. The um. When what, you, if, what if head, heads up their own asses? Yeah, exactly. Like you were saying. Their heads so far up their asses they can... <laughs> I forget yeah. the rest of that that quote. <laughs> That's saying. When when you... um when Because, you, you know, if you're drawing, like... Do you kind of generally have a idea of what you're going to draw? Or do you kind of just draw and, and something comes out? I usually will have an idea... Um, or at least, uh, like at least a loose idea, and then I'll kind of mess around with super broad, um, like compositions, until I hit you know what feels right, and then I'll kind of develop that. Yeah. Further. One one thing that happens to me sometimes is I have like an image show up in my mind that I try that. I need, I want to try to capture, you know what I mean? Like you have right. like some type of like almost like an icon in your head and you're like, okay, I need to mm -hmm. try it. And sometimes you have to do it over a few times before you get it right, you know? Right. Yeah. That's one thing that I like about a lot of your work is that it has a lot of negative space as well. Like you're not afraid to have just like a, a striking image and like a white field, you know, I really like that right. a lot. Thanks. Uh, I feel like, like that's something that I've been focused on a lot since I re since I started doing like 2d art again. Um, it's, I don't know. A, a lot of times it's more about just the, like, you know, the impression that the negative space makes like a lot of, I mean, it's, I guess, you know, thinking about it, it's kind of like the music that I do as well. Sometimes it's not about, super being super technical it's just more about like stuff that hits hard and sometimes you know just like something simple with these contrasting black and white spaces hits a lot harder and like leaves more of an impression than something that's like hyper hyper detailed you know which you know i i enjoy some of that stuff too i like you know, harry clark's work a lot um but yeah my stuff is definitely inspired by you know like aubrey beardsley uh the older you know japanese woodblock art that inspired a lot of those art nouveau guys to begin with and it seems like a lot of newer japanese artists are you know going back to those guys and interpreting it back into their styles and stuff you know yeah yeah, your work kind of reminds me too of like uh, some of the expressionist woodcuts and stuff like that as well. Like, right, which I really, I, I really like that, like, uh, kind of woodcut style, like the way you know, like, I think it's interesting yeah. taking the woodcut type of ideas and translating it into other mediums, like with like mm -hmm. drawing or and my paintings. All my paintings are very inspired by woodcut, you know, right? Yeah, that stuff's really powerful. Yeah, I kind of brought in those like strong woodcut type of lines and but with oil painting mm -hmm. you know like yeah i i don't know i like i really like that type of style i've always been very attracted to that i like the simplicity of like uh this one thing i always look really liked even about 
a lot of art nouveau is that it has a very striking central image but then sometimes maybe you'll have like these kind of borders around it that have a lot of decoration yeah. you know but mm -hmm. you have this like really striking central image of us i really like that kind of that kind of design you know yeah same like very like um uh, it almost is almost like a poster in a way <laughs> you know mm -hmm. like the um do you do uh is there do you do like pen and ink or is it like i mean like um some of your stuff almost looks like you're doing like dip pen you know but i don't know if right are you, are you just doing I, like regular pens so what i have been doing is kind of like outlining stuff with fine liners and then doing a lot of the bigger spaces with uh brush brush pens okay yeah brush pens yeah yeah that the bre that kind of really gives it that look of like you you're doing uh like actual like with the yes yeah, kind of like the like a dip pen aesthetic or whatever yeah exactly which yeah. Can, is a lot of fun to, to experiment with i i did i've done a lot of dip pen stuff in the past mm -hmm. yeah like the that i really enjoy i enjoy uh i enjoy doing calligraphy and stuff as well at some point i'll probably work a little bit more of that into some of the art that i've been doing but that'd be cool yeah it, it's funny like i used to do calligraphy when i was a kid and i got pretty good at doing calligraphy yeah. but the irony is that like i'm not good at it now as an adult and like my, mm -hmm. my own handwriting is like pretty horrible <laughs> so people would be like as like for some reason when i was doing the calligraphy with the calligraphy pen i could do it really good but like yeah. you know what i mean like i tried yeah. to do like chalk you know um posters for my old job you know like yeah uh and it'd just be horrible like i couldn't like get <laughs> get, get the stuff right but they're like i was like i used to do calligraphy but i just can't do it this way it has to be i guess i have to have a calligraphy pen and <laughs> right you know yeah. paper you know what i mean for sure i always thought it'd be cool to like at some point do like you know how um danzig did those lyric books like the lyrics to the left hand one and two yeah I or like the, each one the first one of those yeah each one has like an illustration and then the lyrics or whatever i thought it would be cool you know eventually to do something like that for all hell whether it was you know just for one album or just you know pick a bunch of songs and do like an, an illustration for each one and then maybe do like the lyrics and calligraphy on the opposite page or whatever that'd be really cool yeah be cool that'd be that'd be really cool i mean definitely be a good idea for your next album to do something like that at least for that album you know like yeah um i always really like when bands have a separate image for each each song you know mm -hmm. yeah i really like that like when and when they kind of they go together and it's like you can kind of look at the image and then read the lyrics and they kind of you know um complement each other i think it's awesome yeah yeah even yeah i always even, think that's cool too yeah even if you do like a book or like a chat book type of thing as well you know yeah yeah definitely be cool yeah i love that the lyrics to the left hand path or whatever it's called I, I i got one of them um i think it's the first one with all the stuff from simon beasley mm -hmm. i love that i got it at, uh one of the times i saw danzig he had that nice. at, the, at the merch table yeah i think that's that's how i got mine too the um yeah that was when i saw him with uh 
it was a, it was like um there's the tour when he was like doing the the set with Doyle at the end with with the Misfits stuff right it was like and yeah. for like the 25th anniversary or whatever for uh Danzig one yeah but that that show was cool but the only problem was that all the all the punk people showed up who'd never go to mm. Danzig shows you know because they wanted to see the Misfits <laughs> yeah. set yeah and uh, it was just like, there's too many people there, and they were all like pogoing and you know, just being annoying. acting silly. Acting silly. Yeah. I I saw so many fights that night, like like with punk people <laughs> getting fights with the metal guys and stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I had to go up to the balcony at a certain point because I just couldn't handle because it, it was just it was too chaotic. Right. I was like, this sucks because you know, what? Well, yeah. Well, no. Luckily, the next time he came, he went to a bigger venue, but it was, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That was, I think, when Danzig started getting more popular again. Mm-hmm. Did but, you get, did you catch the Sless tour that he did? The one of uh, Necrofire? No, unfortunately, I missed that one. That was the, I, oh, you mean like the, yeah, the, when uh, I was the last time he the, came to Denver was last year. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. He did uh, that one, and then I guess he did the one recently with, uh, midnight and behemoth yeah you went to that right yeah yeah he didn't he didn't come anywhere near here so (laughs) no that sucks yeah i have to go to like atlanta which is about four hours away um he's come like the closest he's ever come to Asheville is like charlotte which is like two and a half hours away yeah yeah i don't i don't even think he came i mean i would have had to probably drive pretty far to be able to have gone that show yeah, I, I, yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that big of a tour. There weren't that many dates. No, I probably would have had to gone down to Texas or something. I just wasn't wasn't really yeah. feasible for me to to, to travel yeah. down, which was unfortunate because I really wanted to see see that show. And you know, like yeah, I would have had to travel somewhere. I just didn't have money money to go fly to. Yeah, somewhere makes sense. Know? But uh, I'm hoping that he at least because I did miss him the last time he came to denver with necrofire yeah which uh which is unfortunate but because that's the only only time i've missed him in you know 20 years <laughs> right but uh, i'm hoping he at least doesn't you know hoping he comes here at least one more time i think he'll do some some one-offs at least like here and there he always says he's like done touring but i don't know i don't think i don't think he is i mean he says he said that like he's, ten years ago. You know, yeah, he's he's done until the next time. I don't know. I think he like I think he likes it, but he can you know he only right. can do it so often. Yeah, I think he was gonna can probably do more of this kind of like I'll do five dates in a year. You know, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that he'll keep doing that. Yeah, hopefully. But, yeah, and I I haven't actually seen the reform misfits yet either. Oh yeah. Yeah, because uh, they, they did come to, they did come here, but I don't know why. I don't remember why and didn't, didn't end up going. There's some, it's like very, very foggy in my memory of, of why I wasn't able to go. But the um, right, yeah, kind of, kind of wish they had gone to that. But I do, I do kind of, you know, comfort myself in the fact that I have seen Danzig play a ton of Misfit songs because almost every time I've yeah. seen him, he's played Misfit songs. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the first time yeah. I saw him, he he Doyle it was with Gorgeous Frankenstein. So the very first time I saw him, Doyle came out and they played Misfit songs at the end of the show. You know, so right. 
That's I think cool. that was the first tour that he actually did that. So, yeah. So I was like, oh, I've seen him, seen him do that multiple times. So, yeah, it too, it's too almost the same. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just basically just missing Jerry. It's the only one. Yeah, but he, you you went and saw that tour too, didn't you? The Misfits. I, yeah, I saw. So I saw him. The second reunion show they did in Chicago in like 2016. I saw that one. And then I saw them recently on that tour that they did when they played in uh, Tampa. Because All Hell actually had a show in Georgia the night before. And I hadn't even like, like I thought about going, but I had kind of written it off in my mind. And it just so worked out that we were like, we're like halfway to Florida. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> me and my bro- brother who was driving for all hell we decided to just go down there and yeah it was like it worked out really well too because uh like the day of they dropped the price of pit tickets so we That's were able good. to go like for not very much at all and get like basically right up front oh, it yeah. was a lot less like it was still very big but it was a lot less crowded than when i saw him in 2016 because that was riot fest and that was like eighty thousand people yeah, this one was like a a regular like you know stadium show or whatever, which is still a lot, but it was way less like just packed and violent, you know. Yeah, definitely. I'm sure it was a lot more, a lot nicer to see them at the at like yeah. at a venue like that road and right fest. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm really hoping that he comes, like, so I can rectify the fact that this and last time. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> like, so. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, you know, I try to try to never miss Dan's like this. He's like the one, one of the only people that I'm like, every time he comes, I need to see him, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's like, you know, as I've gotten a little bit older, that list of bands gets smaller and smaller, but <laughs> but he's still like top of the list. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's definitely like probably most number one. I mean, uh, I'm definitely, I want to go see Incantation because I, like they're one of my favorite bands as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I got to see them. But yeah, I mean, as far as bands that, that I actually absolutely have to see every time, there's not very many, to be honest. Yeah. Maybe like, like I've seen, you know, Watain, I've seen them a bunch of times. Uh, Mayhem, I've seen a bunch of times, you know, like there's certain bands. I think part of it's like there's certain bands I know are going to put on a really killer show. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. And generally, I tend to tour with with good bands as well. Although, like, yeah, I didn't go to this Last Mayhem one because it because it was just all death metal bands that you know. I was like, I, it would be cool to see Cannibal again, but I've already seen them a few times too. So, yeah, I uh, I I did go to that one. I uh, actually enjoyed Gorgut's set pretty well and like pretty picky with death metal, but you know, it was a good time. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Blood Incantation or Gorgut's, so. Yeah, I, I did not care about blood incantation. <laughs> yeah, I don't. But like you know, that. like can, Cannibal Corpse, um, like not a band I listen to on a regular basis, but I've you know I enjoy them and I've seen them live probably three or four times, and it's always awesome. Yeah, they're, I feel like they're they're like kind of always the same. <laughs> every time, right, every yeah. time live, like they're just such a machine that it's just like very consistent. Yeah, yeah, very consistent. Which is a, I mean, that's a good thing, right? You know. Yeah. 
Although, uh, yeah, I do like a little bit of chaos in my live shows, but <laughs> sometimes, you know, but they're, they're just like, so fucking, they're like a, mar- they're like a, they're like a, it's a machine a machine. Yeah. They just fucking roll you over. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, behemoth used to be one of those bands back in the day, but not, not really anymore. Cause I don't really, li- I haven't really liked behemoth and new stuff in a while, you know? Right. But I mean, if I have a chance to see, see them, I'll see them because they, they put on a good show. But yeah, they get, like their stuff can be hit or miss, but it's like consistently a good show. Like I enjoy the spectacle. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I haven't been a big fan of theirs since since the Satanist, but, mm-hmm. you know, seeing them for that album and and, right. and stuff was was cool. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That was. Uh, that's definitely my favorite album of theirs i would say yeah like that right. one and the one before but satanist and evangelion really yeah good. yeah my, yeah the, those two and the apostasy that's like my three favorites mm-hmm. from them yeah, yeah. but but yeah, yeah nerd all kind of kind of lost the 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 um you know like where you're like oh i need to see them every time he kind of lost that a little while ago because he started getting my nerves like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think he gets on a lot of people's nerves <laughs> So it's kind of like, you know, I'm good. You know, if I see him, I see him, but I'm not going to like go out of my way to see him anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's always but, fun to watch uh, their drummer, Inferno. Yeah. Inferno's it's a great drummer. Kind of, uh, have you ever, have you heard his, uh, his project Terrestrial Hospice? I haven't. That's a new, it's a project that he does um, with, um, I forget the guy's name, uh, the guy from Thunderbolt and, uh, it's fucking it's really good like yeah i'll have to check it out it's real like classic misanthropic black metal stuff kind of oh, like sick in the craft vein i guess oh you know? cool so it's really good and and it, you, you see that that inferno still has his feet like firmly implanted in black metal you know what i mean yeah yeah for really sure cool. but yeah man it's been great talking to you again yeah, for sure, dude. Uh, we'll have to do it again before too long. Definitely, yeah. I always definitely enjoy talking to you and seeing seeing what you're going to come up with with all hell and everything. And yeah, likewise, always working on new stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. So we'll definitely we'll definitely do this again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Awesome, man. Yeah, thanks. 